This episode was made possible by our patrons, Reborn Neji, Twilight Goddess, and our newest Deep One patrons, Tech Violence, Decoy, and Archivist. If you would like to support the show, you can find a link to the Patreon in the description. To anyone who can hear this broadcast, this is the Armitage account. How do I turn this thing on? I think you're already there, and... Oh, look, you're recording. Do you want to start, or... I mean, I could start? You know what? You should start. You should start. Oh. Are are you nervous? No. (laughs) No, I'm not. Sure. Hey, buddy. Your friends are here? We just wanted to drop off your recorder and laptop. And make sure you're still breathing. Which you are. For now. But the doctors say that you should be stable. They just aren't sure when you will be entirely lucid again. Apparently you're making a great recovery. Despite all the blood. Um... You and Lou made the news. Even Popcorn with Perry actually did a whole piece on you. Perry is an ass. Yeah, yeah, he was. I I guess what I'm trying to say is that your feed might have more listeners than beforehand. So if you continue, you have an audience. Yay! We know how hard this has been on you. Losing family. I mean, we've been there. I've been there. It makes you do really, really stupid things. So, you aren't going to be doing them alone anymore? Yeah. I was able to find that list you were working on and track down the remaining contacts. You really need a new password, by the way. Anyway. I have some much-needed free time for my assignments, and Lou is on a bit of a paid vacation. Mm, suspension. Same thing, right? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, we're going to be doing some good old detective work for you. Hitting the streets and asking old people about even older people. Mm-hmm. So if you wake up and we're not here, just know that's probably where we are. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, hope you rest well then. Give us a call if you wake up and we're not here. I love you, buddy. Get well soon. Felix. Lou. Thank you.
This is Isaac Andrews, September 29th, ten hundred hours. I am recording this to say that I am very much alive and have decided after some thought to make a public statement. People have said that what happened in the library was me trying to take my own life. I would like to say that this is not the case. The only proof I have otherwise is disturbing. I have just uploaded audio from the night of my accident. You are free to make your own inferences. Not a single doctor seems to know what actually happened. There are theories. Strokes, blood clots, hereditary neurological illnesses, but no one seems to agree on anything. I... I have my own theory. But no way to test it. At least, safely. What is pressing now is that Lou's job is in trouble and it's my fault. So, it looks like I am going to need to be talking to management. Good. I need to talk to the administration anyway. Um, hello, I have an appointment with Oliver Corbin. Oh, uh, I didn't realize he had anyone penciled in for noon. Uh, I don't think I have a time slot. Mr. Han uh, had a security referred me to him. Oh, uh, do you mind if I record you? I'm working on a bit of a project, and this is all feeling uh, rather relevant. Sure. I haven't seen you around here at all. Have you ever met with Headmaster Corbin before? Uh, no, can't say I have. Oh, and uh, what's your name? I'm Ryan. Nice to meet you. Isaac. Last name? Uh, Andrews. Uh-huh. Huh. So, uh, that old flute over there. That's pretty cool. like the design. What about that painting? I, I love her hair, so... Do you know Leo? Dark. Leo Jackson? Uh, it rings a bell. Why? <laughs> Unfucking believable. I'm sorry? Turn it off. What? Your recorder? Turn it the fuck oh, off. Oh, oh, I am so sorry. What? This thing is really difficult. You can't even remember like, his I'm name. Sorry. No, Leo, How dare I do remember you? him. Your it mother butchered. My brother. I'm My brother sorry. is using the fucking attention. My brother, I miss every sorry. fucking day. Please. Fuck you. Ryan. That's quite enough. Ryan, why don't you take your lunch for now? I'll take care of Mr. Andrews. Yes, Headmaster. Come in, Isaac. Please. That kind of behavior is unacceptable here at the university. And again, I want to sincerely apologize. I didn't think that you would have gotten out of the hospital so soon, and... 
I should have given Ryan more of a heads up about the situation. No, no. I'm the one who's sorry. They were right about everything. No, 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 no. Would you like a drink? Oh, um, sure. Thank you, Headmaster Corbin. (laughs) Please, you can call me Oliver. And enjoy. This one was bottled in 1935. Thanks. Uh... Oh, do you mind if I record this? No, not at all. Oh, uh, great. So, about Luke... Oh, will this be going on the podcast as well? Uh, after all that, probably not. Um, I guess it depends on if something interesting happens, though. Do you think you'll continue the investigation? Maybe, but I've already put Lou in entirely too much risk. Yet, someone definitely wants me there. I see. Any idea who that could be? Has to be faculty. Most likely someone in the administration. Could even be you. (laughs) That is an interesting theory. But do you have a motive? (sighs) No, I do not. (sighs) That's too bad. Well, go on. Make your case for your friend. Um, oh, uh, yes, right. Headmaster Court. Again, you can call me Oliver. Sorry, um, Oliver, I coerced Lou into letting me into the restoration zone. Lou is extremely compassionate and has been the sole provider for herself and Felix since they were kids. She looks out for her friends as if they were family. So she saw my grief over my mother, and I took advantage of that. I know this doesn't change anything, but if there is anyone who you should punish, it should be me. Okay. That's it? Okay? Yeah. I'll see to it that Lopez will resume her post at the Miskatonic University Library. And in the meantime, you will be... Expelled, I understand. (laughs) No. You'll remain a student here. As controversial as your continued enrollment here is... I don't believe you've done anything wrong. There is a catch, isn't there? (laughs) There doesn't have to be. Or at least I I don't want you to see it that way. But Isaac, you are not asking the right questions. You have stumbled upon quite the oddity in the Restoration Zone. And I am in charge of the entire university. So, ask your questions. My mother. Did she ever find it? Artemis' collection? As far as I know, no, she did not. Am I related to Henry Artemis? Maybe, but I don't know. What is the nature of the collection? I don't know. How did it survive the fire? I don't know. What is the mythos? I don't know. Are you the one writing me those notes in those pages? Isaac... What do you know about the Headmaster's curse? Each Headmaster for the last 71 years, starting with Nathaniel Haynes, has died while in office. Some have gone mad in their final days, others just passed peacefully in their sleep, all of whom have died of strokes or other neurological illnesses. Two things remain constant, though. One... Their deaths are roughly three to six years apart, and two, despite the 100% mortality rate, 
someone always steps up to the position soon after. You, uh, you have an eye for detail. I take weird history very seriously. I have a whole podcast on it. Now, ask yourself. I took the spot roughly three years ago. I've just turned 40. Do I look like I'm ready to keel over and die? Does it seem like my mind is ready to snap? No, Oliver. My point is, this school has its legends, and while I might seem perfectly healthy and sound of mind, that does not mean that the basis of this myth is false. That place you found, that library, is another legend. So, what does this have to do with you leaving me notes? I can assure you, that is not me. But it is indicative of something that might be of interest. And what might that be? Isaac, I'm going to tell you something that I have told no one. When I started working here, I was second to Dr. Andrea Washington. Apart from her being my colleague and mentor, above everything, she was my friend. One day, Headmaster Jemison died in his sleep. The administration was in chaos, and Andrea was nowhere to be seen. It was only at the funeral that she first showed up. She seemed... different. More withdrawn, more distant. When I asked her about her absence, she just looked at the casket and said, I think it's real. A month later, there was a board vote, and she was named the 41st headmaster of Miskatonic University. This wasn't too surprising of a development. Andrea had been working closely with the late Dr. Jemison, after all. What was surprising was how this woman had shown absolutely no interest in the title until right before the board vote. In her new position, my friend became withdrawn from her social life and only focused on her work. We would no longer discuss our lives over drinks at Cross's Corner, nor would we discuss our research in the giddy way only fellow scholars do. Instead, she seemed to just disappear into something I couldn't see. Did you know that we have not had a true head librarian in 83 years? When Henry Armitage died, Headmaster Nathaniel Haynes was so stricken with grief that he took over all head librarian duties. He continued this until his passing by suicide four years later. The next headmaster, Dr. Abbott Russo, made it so that the position would always be vacant to honor both men in the wake of the tragedy. Each professor since has upheld this tradition, including Dr. Andrea Washington and now myself. After six years, I had become head archivist, the closest thing to Henry Artemidge's original position. It also meant that I was stuck at an office desk and absolutely bored out of my mind. My earlier career was full of fieldwork, exploring the history of ancient civilizations and the people that they gave birth to. It was exciting. Unlike a library. Most of the time. Once I assumed the position, my staff would always inform me when the headmaster entered our confines. Many assumed that I would want to chat with Andrea. No one knew that we'd grown distant. There were always moments when we would be in the same room, of course. I'd catch her eye, we would smile, wave, make small talk, but there was always something hanging over her. One day, I heard that she was in my library, and I decided to check in with her. I would ask her for coffee, and 
see if we could rekindle our chats. It was there that I saw her, in the restoration zone. It's funny, when I, when I was in charge of the library, I always wanted to fix up that place. An old empty wing still covered in scorch marks and damage from a fire over half a century ago. Yet whenever I asked for funds from the administration, from Andrea, I was always told that it would be too disruptive or expensive. I never once thought to myself that she might have a reason to keep it dilapidated. I spotted her entering the restoration zone, looking over her shoulder as if trying to make sure she wasn't followed. Now, I, I could have easily called out to her at that moment. You know, hello, Andrea. What takes you to the restoration zone? Do you have important university business that requires you to be skulking about? Maybe your footsteps wouldn't be so loud if you actually rebuilt the library. Obviously, I didn't do that. Instead, I silently followed her until she came to a particular room in the old stacks, with a weird star above it. Artemis' collection. I watched from afar as she entered a room full of books that somehow I, the head archivist, had no knowledge of. Of course, I immediately felt wounded, but not enough to override my curiosity. I'm sure you understand the feeling. When I approached the threshold, I could hear her cursing someone. I, I can't remember the particulars since, well, this was a good three years ago, but it was something to the effect of, I need you to tell me before he comes back. At this point, I thought that there was some sort of scandal afoot, and that my dear friend was at the heart of it. Perhaps she'd been involved with some shady deals, and this was where she chose to meet her accomplice. But when I looked inside, I realized she wasn't shouting at any one person. She was shouting at books. There were about a dozen thrown out upon the reading desk, all open, and all of various makes and sizes. I was dumbfounded. The emotional whiplash of thinking that your friend might be involved in a calamitous scandal to realizing that they have instead gone insane is... It's an intense form of shock. Shocking enough, I hadn't even realized that Andrea was staring at me until her eyes locked with mine. Her eyes. She was crying. She kept saying, no, you weren't supposed to be here, and that I doomed myself somehow. I, I consoled her, and oddly enough, she kept apologizing to me. She said that she came there to find a way out, but couldn't. And now that I saw, she couldn't save me either. Andrea told me she heard voices in her head. She believed that the books in front of us were supposed to have the answers. A way to get rid of those voices. She said that the voice took her to the library shortly after Headmaster Jemison died. The voices were looking for something. Then, while the voices were away, something else started reaching out to her. Something in the collection. It first started with notes, then passages, then outright conversations, from speech to paper. She believed these books were sentient. When I asked her if she could show me one of these notes or passages, she just said it wouldn't come out now. I then read the books myself. They were legible. 
Either their print was indecipherable or the languages used were archaic. There was absolutely no way that anyone could have read them, yet she was insisting. For the last three years, I believed her to be an undiagnosed schizophrenic. But now, I'm not sure. So, are you telling me that those notes just appeared? All I know is that I have never once been able to read a single book from that room. Yet it seems you have. What happened to her? Andrea? That night, she told me that she was scared. I was too. She thought that the voices would come back, that they would kill me, or worse, get in my head. We stayed in that library all night, and eventually she went to sleep, and the next morning she was silent. I thought she was embarrassed, so I offered to take her home that morning. Instead, she asked if I could stay with her the next night. She said she didn't want to be alone for when the voices came back. But she also didn't want to give the impression that anything was wrong to the staff. So we agreed. We'd go about our work days if nothing was wrong, and then I'd walk her home that evening. That never happened. I went to pick her up from her office, and that's when I discovered the body. Medical examiner said she had a stroke. And the month after, I was named the 42nd headmaster of Miskatonic University. I'm sorry about your friend. Thank you. Your mother was one of the best professors this school has ever seen. I don't believe her to have been a monster. And I don't believe you a fraud. With that being said, I think we actually have a unique opportunity to help each other here. Are you not worried about losing your mind or suddenly dying? Andrea wished for me to keep the library a secret. And in order to do so, I would have to be in charge. I guess like those before me, it was a way of honoring her. Plus, she said I was already doomed, so if she was right, I didn't think it would make much of a difference. But now, I've met you. You want me to go back there? I have a proposal. I would give you a job. Audio archivist. Hmm? You could continue to look into your connection to Henry Artemidge. Maybe spend some time with that boy Felix. Hmm? Meanwhile, I can learn if Andrea was right. If she wasn't, then that means that we have a nefarious actor in the administration that needs to be expelled immediately. If she was, on the other hand, well, that's not to entertain the impossible. Audio archivist. Do I even qualify for that? Sure. You have a degree in history. It would be better if you had some library science, but an audio archivist needs to have a good grip on the tech above all. And you clearly have that down. People hate me. Your own assistant hates me. It would seem like the school's position is to give my podcast legitimacy. That's simple, okay? 
you'll just no longer have a podcast. You'll instead record these for yourself and for me. But what if if it is ever important for the public to know what your investigation finds, then I trust that we will make the right decision to release all of your recordings in a responsible manner. So do we have a deal? I want to. I'm I'm sorry. I really, really want to, but I don't think I can. I promised Lou and Felix that I would stop. Uh, Isaac, I don't want you to put yourself in harm's way. I'm just trying to understand what happened to Andrea. If you can help me, then I would be forever grateful. Um, I'll think about it, okay? Okay. I'll see to that the paperwork is ready for your decision. Now, I believe you still need to call your friends. I'm sure they're worried sick about you. Oh, um, of course. Uh, <clears throat> Isaac Andrews, signing off. In order of appearance, this broadcast features Penny Wynn, Alexander Bomley, Benjamin Collins, Sierra Lynn, a.k.a. Mystic, from Autumn Moon Studios, and Abraham Bogali. This broadcast is under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution non-commercial share-alike license and is produced and distributed by Scope Productions. You can follow us on Instagram at Armitage Account or our website, armitageaccount.com, where you can join the Discord server and learn more about our Patreon. Make sure the word is heard. Tell your friends and loved ones about this broadcast. Ensure their safety. Don't have any friends or loved ones? Or just want to spread the word? Then leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider.